welcome to D4 Sports, Day Drinking with Don and Dustin. I'm Don. And I'm Dustin. We're coming to you from Lubbock, Texas. And London, England. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome everybody to D4 Sports episode 19. Drink down, drink down. That's the uh, the working title. And you'll see why here in just a little bit. But uh, hopefully today, Dustin, you will not be experiencing any drink down moments. Uh, here we well, are. And hopefully 12. the episode doesn't either. Because as you know, drink down typically happens, you know, a little bit later as things are progressing uh, yeah. one way or the other. So that's true. That's true. That's true. And I mean, how much sparkling water would you have to drink to get to a point where uh, you are, you know, having a drink down moment? I don't know. It could probably be a couple, but, you know, it may not be a drink down moment. It may be an upset stomach, not feeling good moment. <laughs> how are you doing this fine Tuesday, sir? Doing well, doing well. Just uh, it's 1030 here, so still drinking some coffee. Uh, I do have my my sparkling water uh, today. We have uh, blackberry lemon. Blackberry lemon. Well, okay, that doesn't sound terrible, you know, for those it, who are. And it's not terrible. And I'm not drinkers. a huge yeah. lemon person, mm. but yeah. it's it's all right. There you go. Well, I you know being that it is darn near the end of the workday here. And obviously for me at 4.30, I'm doing a podcast, so uh, there's only so much I'm doing the rest of the time. But I have a classic end-of-workday drink, a martini, which I made specially for the show. Um, although my wife is drinking one of the classic Christmas beverages from the UK and one of the true pleasures of the Christmas season, mulled wine. Have you ever had mulled wine, Dustin? I am going to say negative on that one. Hmm. I tell you, you know what? It it really is lovely. It's red wine that is seasoned with spices and some citrus usually, and it's served warm. And uh, it's just, it is, you know, it's a little bit sweet. So it, it's it's kind of like cider, but you know, it's 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 uh, it's wine. It's spiced wine. It's it's a really lovely drink, and you can get it just about everywhere here in the UK at Christmas time. So. Uh, and uh, there's a little coffee shop downstairs. We bought some the last couple of days, but my wife just went ahead and made some at home and she is enjoying that. But I, I went with the classic gin martini featuring Tanqueray and a little Dolan dry vermouth, which I would have to say in the world of like, what is my last meal going to be? This would probably be the thing that I would start it with. So a definite favorite cocktail of mine. Well, there you go. And it looks like you got like six olives in there too. No, I just have three olives. I have three olives, <clears throat> which oh, okay, you know is sure. an unappropriate number. Unappropriate number. I'm not. I'm not indulging that much. You know, six olives is a little over the top for anybody. But so It'd well, be anyway, four style. Well, that, that might be true. That might be true. Maybe I should have gone with six olives. Maybe I'll go get some more right now. Uh, d December the twelfth. We are rapidly approaching uh, the end of 2023. Um, getting into, you know, approaching the playoff run in the NFL. Uh, the NBA, of course, just finished its first in-season tournament, uh, but is, uh, you know, also getting, getting, you know, starting to get going and get lively in the season. 
NHL, same way. Oh, and the winter meetings of baseball, which I mm. think leads us into what should probably be our opening shot for this show because our boy, Shohei Otani, been talking about him since episode two. Uh, he just had a pretty good day for himself this week, didn't he? I would say so. Uh, most would call that a pretty good payday. Going to the Dodgers, which mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, he's not leaving L.A., right? True, so true. He's he's well, staying there. But the, the rumors were the Dodgers, Toronto. The rumors were Toronto, but you can't. I mean, not it's, you can't really call Toronto a small market, and of course, it's the only Canadian team, so they had that going for him. But there was no way. He was going to anybody other than one of the, you know, blue blood, you know, baseball teams, your Yankees, maybe Chicago, but I don't see them doing it right. The Dodgers, the Red Sox are big spenders, but I don't think they were ever really in play. Uh, I mean, there was only a handful of teams he was ever going to go to anyway. Right. So still the Dodgers, I mean, they're just, they're they're one of those teams that just won't go away. (laughs) Well, no, and they're talented. Yeah, they spend enough money that there's no way they're going to go away. What now? They got right. what Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Shohei Otani uh, coming in there on a pretty solid one, two, three. Um, of course, yeah. they have no pitching, but you know, and he's not helping this year. And uh, I mean, that to me is still just the incredible wild card, right? Because his second, and this was like a quasi Tommy John surgery, not not a full on. I mean, it's kind of hush hush about what exactly he had done, but um, boy, second surgery, he's 29, not going to pitch again until he's 30. How, how big do you see the risk of this contract being? That's a good question because um, I kind of saw that with, I guess at the time, one of the bigger contracts we'd seen in baseball was when Albert Pujols um, mm-hmm. left the Cardinals and went to the Angels. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he did okay. To, to mm-hmm. start off, but he didn't, I guess, pan out the way that they had anticipating Pujols panning out. And no. so that's mm-hmm. the risk you do when you do a 10-year contract, because I believe Pujols's was 10 years as well. Mm-hmm. And man, that's that's a lot of years to expect somebody to perform at peak, peak level. Um, yeah. I mean, four to six maybe a a better one, but I mean, they were trying to lock it in with him and just say, you're going to be with us from, from here on out. And they made sure of it with that, that money. Goodness gracious. It's a lot of money for those who didn't hear 10 years, $700 million, uh, fully guaranteed. Right. I mean, that's uh, that's the way baseball goes. It's all, they're going to pay him that money, uh, whether he plays well or whether he doesn't, I guess, you know, unless he, you know, for some reason leaves the team of his own volition or something like that. But, uh, uh, and of course, in the magical world of, of the, of the GM in baseball, they have managed to what backload this contract to the tune of I don't, some ridiculous amount, right? Like he's only getting paid, like technically only getting paid like $2 million a year until 2034. And then he's getting what $68 million a year for some absurd number. Yes, they have. He has deferred ninety-seven percent of his contract until twenty thirty-four. So, like you said, he's getting two million a year, which is fine because he got 
paid with the Angels, too. I mean, yeah. obviously yeah. not near what this is. But, you know, when he's done playing baseball, he still gets paid um, very yeah. handsomely, might I add you. Um, so, well, yeah, I mean, know, the- to be able to defer your paycheck and still live extremely comfortably and not have to worry about anything is very nice. Yeah, I could defer 97% of my paycheck. We'd have a lovely tent down by the Thames um, that we'd be inhabiting. Ah, they wouldn't let us near the Thames. What am I talking about? Uh, we'd be who knows where. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, this is the classic, you know, Bobby Bonilla Day, right, is June 1st every year where Bobby Bonilla has been paid a million dollars from the Mets for, well, until 2034. He's been doing it for like 35 years. And now Otani is going to be the new Bobby Bonilla, except that his – Bobby Bonilla Day is like 68 million bucks. So a little uh, different amount for little, sure. A little different amount. But yeah, so Otani is a Dodger. So we'll see what that does. And we'll see if, again, if they can put together enough pitching to uh, to to make uh, to make it all worth it. But uh, there you go. Oh, I, I did get this this tidbit. Um, his, you know, 70 million dollars a year, although he's you know not really getting that the way they've structured the contract. $70 million was more than the opening day payrolls, the entire opening day payroll of both the Baltimore Orioles and the Oakland Athletics this year. <laughs> that, that's a crazy number. That's absurd. Yeah. To be able to, one team to be able to pay one person that amount. Yeah. And then two franchises not able to pay their entire roster that. Yeah. Well, and I mean, look, it's why you don't have parity in baseball, right? Because they've still chosen not to do a real salary cap. Although, hey, the Orioles made it to the playoffs, had you know, one of the best records in the league this year. So, But that's kind of the story of Billy, of, uh, of, uh, Billy Ball, right? Of, uh, uh, the, you know, the, the small ball and, and uh, Billy Bean's whole thing. Yes, you can. You can build a competitive team. But I don't think any team that's ever been the small ball, low payroll team has ever actually won it so i don't know maybe make the playoffs i guess you know it's better than better than being like i don't know the white Sox or something but uh let's move on you got an opening shot for me yes i got one for you um and and i just find this one a little odd in uh novak djokovic right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. top of his game arguably if if not unarguably the best to ever play according to numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, 36 years old, it'll be 37 next year. He's still playing at a high level. Won, won three of the um, majors last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, almost almost went all four, uh, just couldn't complete it. But um, <laughs> he was on 60 Minutes the other night and oh, came I out. Saw, and, I saw the commercial for it, but I didn't see the interview. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I want to see this. Okay. So he said, the young guys who are very hungry and very inspired to play their best tennis against me is an additional motivation. Mm. I think they kind of awoken a beast in me. Mm. And, and I'm thinking, what, <laughs> what do you have to prove <laughs> anymore? Yeah. I mean, well, you've, got, you've got all the numbers. Um, you've got all the accolades you could possibly think of. And I know he still wants to play. He's a competitor. He gets out there yeah. and he, he does what he can. Um, yeah. But to, to say <laughs> that these young guys have awoken a beast in him when he's still dominating the young kids anyway. I mean, it's it's kind of funny to me to, to feel like you have to say that when you haven't really been 
challenged a whole, whole lot with these young guys. Yeah. I think I, I, here's the thing with Novak, and we've talked about this. You know, he will never be as beloved as Federer or Nadal, ever. Even when it comes to the GOAT conversations, Jovac, Novak is only going to win if his numbers are so far out there that there's no debate. So he's going to have to get five or six more until he really is in that conversation because people just don't like him as much. And even the, at the end of the day, they're like, okay, well, maybe statistically he was the greatest, but I still would take Federer or Nadal over him. And so I, I think that's what it is. I, I think that's his, he's the anti-hero of tennis. Well, and I get that part of it, but I mean, if, if somebody's going to say, yeah, numbers wise, he's, he's the greatest, but I would still take Nadal or Federer or whoever, no matter what those numbers are, no matter how many majors he wins, even if it's, you know, by double digits, you're still going to come out and say, that's just the numbers. And it's against. I don't know. I mean, if he goes, if he wins three majors a year, two more years, right. And he, and he does it again late into his career. I mean, there's going to be a point which you just say, I mean, look, Novak was the most dominant. He dominated late Federer era, you know, peak Nadal and late Nadal. He was there. He handled the young guys. And then at land of, I mean, there becomes a point when it's like, you just have to say, okay, he's not my favorite, but he's the best. Right. And I don't think he's quite so, there yet. I, I think he's close, so, but I don't think he's quite there. Yeah. So you're saying he could end up being my Tom Brady? Uh, he might be, or my Joe Montana until Tom Brady existed, right? And, you know, still, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I, yeah, Montana just makes me grip my teeth. I just, I don't like Joe Montana, you know, you know but whatever. He was a great quarterback. I, you know, there it is. But yeah. And, and, and you know, I mean, Nadal's my, my favorite. I, I just enjoy yeah. watching Nadal. Um, I just know I've got to carve out a certain amount of time when Novak or when Nadal is playing because he takes so long. But <laughs> yeah, I think I personally think as much as I like Nadal, in my opinion, Federer right now is is the greatest of all time. Like I would take Federer, peak prime Federer, mm-hmm. over anybody I've ever seen. Yeah. And I would too. Um, yeah. Not so, on clay. And, and, Not on clay. But well, yeah. right. But I mean. That's what I would say about Brady too. I don't necessarily like Brady, but peak Brady. I mean, I wouldn't have anybody else that from, from when I started watching football, the only other player that I would put in the same category would be Peyton. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's really about it. And so this kind of comes down to that. I mean, I know Novak has it numbers wise, but he is so unlikable. Yeah. <laughs> and it's almost like he plays off of that. He Yeah. in in a way that it's not like um uh who is that the one guy that loves being Kyrgios. um Curious. Yeah, Kyrgios. it's not like yeah, Curious yeah. who embraces it and just like absolutely wants to be the bad guy. Nadal so much wants to be loved and it's yeah. like he just can't push through that wall. Yeah. Uh so yeah. it but I and, just found yeah, that so, whole interesting that little quote. Yeah. No, that's that. That really is. Yeah, I don't. To your point, I mean, you've got the numbers. What do you feel like you have to prove, and what do you prove to the young guys? You know, I mean, yeah, whatever. But let's just hope he fades off, and we can. The era of the big three can be over, and we can move into hopefully another solid age of tennis. 
right. We're going to mix it up a little bit here. Let's do, um, let's do a D4 sports business uh, this week. Uh, Millwall managed to lose again last weekend. One to nothing. Continues not to score. But they're back on the pitch tomorrow. They got another shot. Whew. It's at, I mean, 19th place. Three-way tie at 21 points. Only two points above the relegation line. Uh, a lot of season left, but I'm starting to worry. Well, it doesn't matter if you can't score points. Yeah. Like, if you can't get the ball in the back of the net, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's... That's not good. It's tough to yeah. score. I mean, a la yeah. Patriots. I mean, it's yeah. Well, yeah. You can't Hello? if you're not going to score points. It 21. doesn't matter how good, right? Right. <laughs> but it doesn't matter how good you are at defense. Yeah. No. Or, yeah. Millwall. You know, yeah. They've got to figure something out. They got to start scoring some goals. And I don't even know. What like that a fantastic is. pitcher, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Gets no run support, <laughs> gives right. up well, one exactly. run, and you lose one Loses another. One I mean, it's kind of the right. whole thing. Yeah. If you can't, if you can't produce runs or points or whatever it's you're just kind of floundering and which is what i feel like Millwall's doing right now they are floundering so uh let's go to d4 fantasy i'm gonna call this the good the bad and the ugly uh the good again thank goodness for the nba i continue my dominance i played the second best team this week beat them six to two it was close but i squeaked it out you also had a six to two week but uh, I, my record is 40, 15, and 1, and you are 33 and 23. So that's the good for me. Uh, the bad for me is the Fantasy Premier League, where you won 45 to 39. And had you actually – I don't even know. if you, Do you know how the captain and vice captain work in uh, Premier League? Captain, you get double points, I think. Yeah. Well, the vice captain – is there so that if for some reason your captain does not play at all, your vice captain becomes your captain and you get double points. <laughs> Good to so know. So I had Holland as my captain, as did almost everybody, of course, and he doesn't play. Thankfully, I had Mo Salah as my vice captain who gave me 13. And so I actually got 26 for Salah, which is good because I only ended up with 39 total. You had 45 even though you didn't play a vice captain. Uh, but, any, well, you, I think you did, but I think it was your goalie. <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> Which didn't, I'm pretty didn't sure that uh, I I didn't even know that we had to repick. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, I did well, not look at my lineup. At any rate, you won this week 45-39. to 39. I am still up 916 to 864. So I've still got a, a solid 50-point lead there. Um, and then the ugly. <sighs> so this week... Family Pick'em, I happen to pick all the same games that my brother Stuart, who is in first place, well, was in first place, was, you know, he's been blowing it, blowing everybody away. I happen to pick the same thing that he did this week. You and I picked four games differently. I lost all four. I don't even, I cursed my brother is basically what happened in this. And so. Sorry, Stuart. Yeah. The only thing I got was I did take the Cowboys. My wife and I took the Cowboys. We're the only two to take the Cowboys. So I got that one when it came down to it. But I lost by three. I'm down by 10 in Pick'em. So that's over. That's over. I mean, there's just, you'd have to, you'd have to just not make your picks for two weeks 
and then I, I might catch you. Uh, Which and then I might in do for fun, you know. And in DraftKings, you beat me five to one also. So overall, you're well, five you to five two. To Give two. yourself some credit. Yeah, well, five to two total. So anyway, it's 59 to 45. You got 14 point lead and you're up 10 and pick him. So you effectively have a 19, a 19 point lead. Uh, it's over. That's the ugly for me. Maybe you'd reverse yeah. those, but I'd probably I don't know. reverse those. Yeah. Well, yours are the good, the good, and the good. I mean, that's what you have this week. So, I mean, I've got the fair. good, the mediocre, and I'll take it. I mean, I guess if you can put those in order. <laughs> I'm just, all the wheels are coming off over here. So, I don't know. Sometimes the night just gets going, things get away from you, and the the drinks literally go flying, or sometimes people go flying, and uh, and things things just fall apart, things go crazy, things that you get the the night collapses, falls in on itself. Sometimes you're wearing the drink, sometimes somebody else is wearing the drink, and we wanted to take a minute to talk about great moments in drink down history, if we have them, if you call them that. Um, and, and then uh, also, you know, then tie that as well into the sporting world where sometimes the wheels fall off and things go sideways and, uh, and, and it just doesn't, doesn't end the way you, uh, the way you hoped it would. But uh, so, so Dustin, you had, you know, again, nowadays you're not imbibing. So you're the one holding it together. I'm assuming when you're out with uh, when you're out with friends, but uh, back in the day, did you ever see the wheels fall off? Did you ever see it just uh, just go a little sideways? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> there, uh, I, I think you know one of my stories, my all time favorite, is in regard to this segment. Uh, I think I'm, I've told this story on on the podcast before. Was a New Year's night, and uh, it just got to a point where. <laughs> everybody was imbibing um, mm-hmm. and enjoying the evening and, and everything. And it was time to uh, go, go to bed and we're all at a friend's house. So it's like, at this point, ain't nobody going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and it's funny as I, I mentioned this story to my sisters over the Thanksgiving holiday and mm-hmm. I said, yeah, it was on the podcast. And of course they did not hear that story cause they did not listen to it. Ooh. Um, but I, yeah, bad, bad. But I, I told them the story as well because we drove by the house that this happened at. And uh, I went to go lay down on the couch and uh, I went down, thought I laid down on the couch. And my buddy's like, what are you doing? I was like, laying down. What are you doing? And he's like, why are you laying on the floor? I was like, I'm not on the floor. I'm on the couch. And he goes, dude, you missed the couch by like two feet. And when I went down to lay down, (laughs) I just, I fell, I hit the floor. I guess I thought it was cushioned enough down there to to stop my fall and uh, ended up having to climb onto the couch. And uh, yeah, that was a, that was a rough morning too. Um, Yeah. Well, it it just part of it, part of when, when things start going down the next day, it doesn't always look pretty. Um, although uh, right. uh, one of my favorite stories, Oh, go ahead. You got some more. Well, I was just going to say, that's not really necessarily a, a drink down 
moment. That's more of a man yep. down <laughs> from man drinking. Down. <laughs> man down. So. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. That works too. But um, no, I was thinking. Well, actually, one of the one of the funniest moments I think for me uh, happened wasn't anything that really got away from me at all. Um, we were on spring break, and it was uh, St. Patrick's Day, and so we were on the beach and. Um, my kids were there. I think, I think, uh, Sam and his friend were there and Claire and, and her friend were down there and Karen and I, and I make corned beef and cabbage. I do the whole thing, corned beef and cabbage and roast potatoes and carrots. And I'd had a couple of drinks, but I was in no ways intoxicated, but we're sitting down, we sit down to, to dinner and I've got a Guinness in my hand and, uh, or on the table. I can't remember exactly how this went down, but I think, I don't know if I had it in one hand or if it's sitting on the table, but. At some point, we were kind of laughing and joking, and I, and the long and short is the beer came flying out of my hand <laughs> and fully across the entire table, and um, there was a, a, a general Guinness shower for uh, pretty much all all involved. Which what better you know, way to I mean, spend St. Patty's Day? Well, it's true. I mean, if we'd have gone down to the bar, there's an Irish bar down in. Destin, Florida. Why? I have no idea, but I guess they like Irish people there too. And, um, I'm sure if we'd have gone there, we'd have seen the same thing, but, uh, yeah. So no, the, the flying Guinness on St. Patrick's day on spring break, uh, definitely one of the tops, uh, in, in, in our, in our family. You got, you got another one. When it comes to drinking and the night going on, I talk with my hands a mm. lot. <laughs> and so, when there are drinks on a table and I start to move my hands and it gets to a point where, well, drinks get knocked over. Everybody jumps back from the table. Beer goes mm -hmm. everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, and it's interesting as uh, you know, as people are, are drinking, it's almost like they get super offended that you spilled beer either yeah. on them or on the floor. But if it was water, it'd be like, Oh, it's okay. And maybe because they paid for it or maybe <laughs> because they're just angry now that they've been drinking. I don't really know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, talking with my hands definitely plays a factor in a lot of drinks, uh, being mm -hmm. knocked down at some point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there, uh, I have a story about a buddy that, uh, his, his nemesis when it comes to drinking is fireball. Um, <laughs> yeah. just, he's not just, alone. <laughs> well, which is crazy because fireball was yeah. always the drink for me that like just keep it coming. Cause it's, it, it never hit me like fireball yeah. for me. Never. There's a lot of drinks out there that hit me. Fireball sure. for me was, was okay, but it was his nemesis. And he was, he was at the bar. Um, and it was, it was already, I guess late 1230. Um, and everybody was taking a shot of fireball Well, he's standing mm -hmm. by a trash can and he wasn't like gone. Right. He wasn't three sheets to the wind, but he was he was on a good buzz. But everybody was taking a shot of fireball. And so he's mm -hmm. like, oh, man, I don't want to do this. And everybody's like, oh, come on, you can do it, do it. You know, well, he gets it. He takes a shot and it's almost instantaneous, hits the back of his throat. Mm -hmm. And he turns and he throws up into mm -hmm. the trash can from that instantly. Yep. Well, the, the bar that we're at, which is probably like any bar, once you throw up, you're done. Yep. And so. Yep. He, uh, he takes the shot, throws up, and as he's coming up from that, he goes, I'll see you guys later, and just grabs his jacket and walks himself <laughs> walks himself out of the <laughs> bar. Was like, nice. He's like, I already know. 
You guys saw it. I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> nice. So yeah. Yeah. Drink down. I, definitely. Yeah. Uh, drink down. Drink up. However that. Drink works. down. Drink up. Yeah. 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 Well, and yeah, I, I've had a couple of those. I, I think, uh, and and not me, um, but people I'm around. And twice I went to a concert with my buddy Roy. We went to see Rush. Um, boy, this is a long time ago, back in the early '90s. And we get there, and I, you know, I don't even know if we were old enough to drink at this point. So whatever, we we were not drinking, but we get in. These guys next to us are drinking, and something this guy was drinking was smelled terrible. And 20 minutes into the concert, he's sitting down, head between his knees. It's all coming out. I don't think he heard a single song in the entire. We're like, what are you even? What's the point of this? You know. And uh, actually, a, a couple of years back. Uh, your cousin Matt Houchin and I went to uh, the Raiders and Texans game or Titans Raiders and Titans in Oakland. And this was the day after a, we were in San Francisco for our friend Beth's Christmas party. And <laughs> um, that's the Christmas party in which I got up the next day and we were like, okay, how did we get home? Because uh, it was, it went late. We were in San, I, I, I I believe we got I, I believe we got an Uber, but I, I'm not 100 percent sure. At any rate, I get up the next day, and I had to be at the, <laughs> at the Oakland Coliseum for a one o'clock kickoff, uh, and early December. It was actually probably this weekend, I bet. And I was feeling terrible to the point where I'm like, I don't bring, I don't need, I'm just drinking water. But there's two people next to us, uh, Titans fans, a guy, and obviously his girlfriend. And his girlfriend, I don't know what she drank, but it was a lot. And mid-second quarter, she was down, and it was all coming out. And her boyfriend just just ignored her. He was like, oh, you'll be fine. <laughs> he just kept – she literally sat there for the last half of the game, almost unconscious in the chair next to us, to the point that Matt and I are kind of like, is she good? I, we're not – we're really sure there. But, uh, uh, yeah, that was – that was – a crazy, way. and actually, crazy. and actually, for me, the the, the biggest spill in, in full drink down fashion that I ever experienced was actually it was water, and I I was I was at summer camp, and we're at like the banquet, right? And I'm there with a friend of mine, and you know we're all dressed up and whatever, and I mean the classic like Hallmark movie scene where the person carrying a tray of water glasses is walking past you and somebody bumps them and they dumped an entire tray. And we literally wore an entire tray of water glasses. I mean, it was oh, like, man. we were absolutely soaking wet. Now, again, it was water, so it wasn't a big deal, but, um, but yeah, we actually fully wore, fully wore that one, but yeah, well, no, I've well, got and yeah, I'll just one more, and I've already shared it, so I won't do it again. But my pineapple juice story among my friends and family, again, a New Year's Eve, that's, you know, kind of the ultimate for me of the uh, sharing pineapple juice with my friend's house. I, I felt it was necessary. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a drink down, too. I think for me, uh, another story is not necessarily drink down or man down, but more of along the lines of wheels coming off. Mm. Um. You know, kind of like in, in, in sports where you just see a team just like something goes wrong and then it just doesn't get better. And it's that snowball mm -hmm. effect. I was in, I want to say Springfield, Missouri with, uh, I think it was you. 
<laughs> and uh, it, it, you know, it's that same day that we we've talked about in regard oh, to yeah. uh, that you know, was parents' the day. weekend, and we started early. Yeah. Well, we started early, and then we did that three mile walk in ninety degree weather with one hundred percent humidity. I mean, it that that day. That day. But but just to make this long story really short, that night ended with me and you getting dropped off at the hotel by Allie. <laughs> who was just making fun of us. Right. She, she sees us walk into the hotel and before she leaves, she sees us walk back out of the hotel, walk, walk through bushes that were in between the hotel and the in and out burger <laughs> that was next. Was it in? No, not in and out. It was a uh, steak and shake. Well, it's steak and steak shake. and shake, steak and shake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we walked through the bushes completely yeah. Go into Steak and Shake. Like we don't have a vehicle, so not driving. That's fine, whatever. And but we're at this twenty-four hour uh, Steak and Shake, and we get in there, and you sit down and you look at me and you go, "I think I'm going to get spaghetti." <laughs> <laughs> spaghetti at a Steak and Shake at three o'clock in the morning. A spaghetti, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm going to do it." <laughs> and you got it. <laughs> I don't know. You may have fallen asleep while eating. I don't really know, but it, it did not get eaten the whole plate. No, but you want to talk you. about wheels falling off yeah. spaghetti at a steak and shake at 3 a.m. might be all four wheels. <laughs> We're just staying yeah. on the tarmac. <laughs> I think about the only other one I can get close to that with was, and I, actually we hadn't even had that much to drink, but uh, my buddies, Jacob and John and I, we went down to the uh, Stout and Oyster Fest in, uh, in St. Louis, which at a place called Schlafly Brewery, great event they they fly in thousands of oysters and they have you know it's it's a brewery so they're a micro brew so we'd had a few beers and i don't know a couple of dozen oysters you know and we're 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 doing all right we start heading home we're like well let's let's stop off we stop off at a place called the city diner in uh in st louis which is kind of an institution and i got a slinger and I don't know if I've ever told you what slingers are, but slingers are a St. Louis invention and a St. Louis classic. And they are they are really the ultimate hangover food. Uh, but it's um, hash browns and chili and a hamburger patty and cheese and onions and some fried eggs <laughs> in a big bowl. And they're fantastic. But I don't know why I decided that was a good idea after a couple of dozen oysters and some beers, because I can tell you the rest of that car ride home was one of the most unpleasant car rides I've had in my, in my life. Cause that was a bad idea. Yep. That was the wheels coming yep. off. That sounds like one. All right. Well, let's quickly, let's transition this into those moments when the wheels come off in sports, right? Because we've seen this. And just like you said, you, you teed up that last one, something happens and you know, it's just not going to go well. It's, it's over at it, that. You know, this team is going down. doesn't matter what the score is. They're going to lose it. And, you know, there's so many of these, of course, in history, but, uh, you know, I thought we'd take a couple of minutes, kind of relive a couple of them. So, uh, you know, I, I, I've got a, I, I, let me, let me throw out a, a couple and, I'm going to go a couple of these from golf because golf is sort of the ultimate place where you can see this. I think these individual sports are the places where sometimes you can see the wheels are coming off and you know that that poor guy is not going to get it back. Right. 
and it's just going to go bad. And I, there's a few classic ones. Greg Norman at the Masters in 1996, he'd set the course record or tied the course record with a 63 in the second round, playing great. Builds a four-shot lead through seven holes over Nick Faldo. And then the wheels start coming off. He starts making bogeys. He starts making bogeys. And Faldo starts playing great. They're tied on the 12th hole. And Norman throws it in the water. And he just kind of falls over, almost like just a classic, you know, Caddyshack moment, right? And then he, he tries to right the ship. And then he throws it in the water again at 16. And uh, one of the epic golf collapses. Um, but another one, and I think probably the ultimate in golf, is the, the, it, it's just literally known in the golfing world as the Vandeveld. And I don't know if you, this would have been, this is 1999, uh, the British Open. Jean Vandeveld, French golfer, who'd really, up until this point, had really not, he wasn't particularly prominent at all on the world scene. He comes in the French Open and he's just dominating, or pardon me, not the French Open, the US Open, uh, the British Open. Uh, and he's, he's dominating all week. He comes up to the last hole. All he needs is a triple bogey. Well, no, a double bogey to win. All he needs is a double bogey on, on a hole that he's birdied twice. He shanks a drive. His second shot just goes, uh, he hits something, and it bounces back and hits a stone bridge and ends up, you know, almost in the water. And he almost played it out of the water, but decided to take the penalty shot and took a drop and then threw it in the sand trap. Long and short is... He ends up making triple bogey and then ends up losing in the playoff after a tournament that, I mean, it's really rare to be so far ahead that all you need is double bogey to win it and you can't get up and down for a six. And lo and behold, Jean Vandeveld did it. Um, those are my openers. What do you got? You got great collapses. What do you, what do you got? Where do the wheels come off? Well, I guess I'll be a homer on this one. Um, You've kind of mentioned this off air too. Um, we're going to go with the the 2006 Insight Bowl in mm -hmm. Tempe, Arizona, and I I remember watching this game because it was one of those games where you go, well, I guess I'm going to shut that off. Um, but uh, I had learned uh, not to do that in in sports mm -hmm. history. That you just and kind yet, of watch 2011, it you did it again. Anyway, I but did. yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah whatever. <laughs> um, but with, with this game, uh, we're playing Minnesota and the Raiders are playing Minnesota in, in the bowl game. And uh, Minnesota is just basically just taking it to tech. Um, I think it was 35 to seven at halftime. Mm. And then the Gophers come out from um, halftime, kick a field goal. So it's 38 to seven with seven minutes and 47 seconds left to go in the third quarter. And at that point you're like, man, this is, this is going to be, be hard to, to turn around. Mm -hmm. well, Tech goes down, scores a touchdown. They come back. Uh, the Gophers come back. They get it. They stall out, but they decide to go for it on fourth down instead of kicking the field goal. And they don't get mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. um, and then the fourth quarter comes around and they're down 28, I believe is, is what it is. And they end up scoring, 28 points in the fourth quarter mm -hmm. uh, to basically send it to overtime and to score 28 points in a quarter is, yeah. is pretty hard to do. They, they end up doing it. I mean, they, there was a great, great fourth quarter to watch. Um, mm -hmm. 
And so when they send it to overtime, Minnesota gets the ball first. They end up having to kick a field goal. Well, on the next possession, Tech ends up scoring uh, on a touchdown to win 44 mm-hmm. to 41. Um, but like when it comes to collapses, I mean, mm-hmm. on the flip side of that coin, it's man, how did you guys pull that one out? You did great. So on the Homer side of it, it was like, man, that was, right. that was amazing. Right. That was awesome. And if I'm a gopher fan, I'm like, <laughs> that was the biggest collapse. That's the I've worst game seen. in the history of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And and ironically enough, or maybe not ironically, um, I believe that head coach got fired the next day. Yeah. Minnesota's yeah. coach. Big. Yeah. Well, and let's face it, they were probably six and six going in like most of the bowl teams are anyway. Right. So <laughs> right. hard to say. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously on the football front, we've talked about it and we've referenced it too many times, but the twenty eight three, I mean, from a Patri- as a Patriots fan, I say they played a perfect last twenty five minutes of football. Uh, and Atlanta just couldn't do anything. Um, and we were talking about, you go back and you watch that, Atlanta didn't make any terrible plays. I mean, there's the strip sack fumble, right, that was big. But, I mean, that happens. I mean, you know, I mean, it shouldn't have happened, but it did. And then, really, the biggest question is just play calling, right, that they just played some, called some questionable plays on that last drive. But it was just a holding call that knocks them out of field goal range so that they can't, they have to punt it back and end up, uh, giving up the game tying drive, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to remember the the Oilers Bills game. You know, the still kind of ranks as like the comeback. And if it I mean, obviously 28 three was a Super Bowl, so it doesn't get any bigger than that. But like last year, right? I mean, and and it, I guess it, um, you know, it was uh, the Colts were ahead of the the Vikings last year, 33 nothing, and Minnesota pulls off the comeback. But but that that uh, 92. Oilers game, Oilers and Bills. Oilers are up 35 to 3 at halftime. And then Thurman Thomas, arguably the best offensive player behind Jim Kelly on the Bills, is out. And 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 Kelly's out. And Frank Reich comes in and you know leads the furious comeback in the playoffs to tie it at, you know, 35 and eventually win it, or tie it at 38 and eventually win it. 4138 in overtime. But and I, I remember watching that game because I was I was actually at a like a winter camp uh with I was like like a counselor for a bunch of kids and they had the game plan and I was watching going, oh my goodness, just oh this is crazy. And I, I didn't really care too much about either team, but you just saw it happen and you just saw it happen and you just kept like, oh my gosh, they're they're actually gonna do this. And sure enough, Frank Reich, hero of heroes, um, and still arguably one of the the greatest uh, wins and for the Houston Oilers one of the greatest collapses that kind of has sort of pockmarked the Oilers Titans franchise. Uh, still one of the few franchises not to ever, not to win at all. Of course they got real close against the Rams in 99, but couldn't quite get it over the line. And that wasn't a collapse. That was just a, a good game that they ended up losing. But, uh, but that was a bad, re- you got one more, you got one more uh, collapse for me. Um, I, I feel like this one, you know, most people know about, um, just because it was such a big collapse and it was something that you never really saw in baseball. Um, mm-hmm. And especially with the rivalry that goes along with the Red Sox Yankees was, I believe it was the 2004 ALCS mm-hmm. and the Yankees. I mean, they're both really good teams, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The Yankees go up three, nothing. And you just kind of sit back and you go, it's over. Um, I mean, Boston may be able to, to pull two out, but at some point you're going to have to go back. 
uh, to Yankee Stadium and play another game there. They've got pitching. They've got closers. I mean, arguably the greatest closer to ever play the game. Yep. Um, or non-arguably. I mean, he's he's <laughs> yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, man, the, the Red Sox just yeah. end up lighting it on fire. Yeah. And I, it, it almost felt like the Yankees just got stuck in, in – you know, quicksand, like there was nothing they could do and and they were great games for yeah. the most part, but it, it just seemed like, I guess towards the end of it, it was like, well, is Boston the team of destiny, you know? Yeah. And then going well, into the world yeah. series at that point and, and, you know, winning it all um, yeah. was, yeah. but just to sit back and go, man, the Yankees just needed one game out of four. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Well, and, I mean, and you know, it was the first time anybody come back from three zero down, right? I mean, it had never happened. And you know, games four and five were fit, some of the best baseball games I've ever seen. Uh, you know, and 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 I think most startling of all is it came on the heels of game three, where the, I don't even know what the finals was it eighteen to three or I mean some ridiculous number where the Yankees just absolutely pulverized them. And um, yeah, and it was only it was until game seven. Game seven was not close because. You had the Johnny Damon Grand Slam early in Game Seven that that really sealed that, and then it was just kind of uh, uh, the, the Red Sox held on to held on to do it. But um, yeah, no, that was that's the wheels coming off, right? And that's uh, and and that's one of those. That's the thing with baseball; it's such a slow wheels coming off in a series, right? I mean, it's one thing to see a you know a, a single game, and I had a I had a baseball one, and this was uh, you know the 2014. Um, Clayton Kershaw playoff a game against the, the Cardinals, which I had the I had the good fortune to be at, and that was the opposite because that was you know Kershaw comes off of a season where he's twenty one and three in twenty seven starts, and I mean one of the one of the best pitching seasons ever put up. In fact, I had I was looking at this and I, I was like, holy cow! One of the D four Sports Hall of Fame, Rube Waddle, shows up. Because <laughs> Clayton Kershaw ha- was had a WAR, yeah, you know, wins above replacement of seven point two, and the only other people who have had that number that high of a WAR in only twenty seven games are Greg Maddox in ninety four and Rube Waddle in nineteen o two. So, you know, hey, way to go, Rube! Punching lions, man. But I mean, yeah, well, <laughs> it'll do it for you. <laughs> I mean, more people need to give that a try. But that game, Kershaw was untouchable for the first six innings. Cardinals didn't hit a ball out of the infield. He was absolutely perfect. The seventh inning comes in, gives it the home run to Matt Adams. On his curveball, he had never given up a home run to a left-handed hitter on a curveball until that pitch. Never. I mean... Kershaw's curveball is one of the greatest pitches in the history of baseball. I mean, just the, you know, the uncle Charlie of all time, right? Did that sweeping curve. And I mean, that's, that's the Russell Wilson throwing an interception at the goal line. Right. I mean, that's that sort right. of a, a shocking play, right? Cause it just, doesn't, it doesn't happen. It had never happened. And then it happened. And in the course of 15 minutes, he went from absolutely dominating and taking the Dodgers to the next level and getting pulled, giving up six runs. And we all know Kershaw's playoff history, which to me is still one of the most painful things because 
one of the greatest players to watch pitch in my lifetime. Just love to watch him throw the ball and why he can't get it done in the playoffs. And again, he did it again this year. Right. So uh, yeah. Anyway. And that's one of those moments. Like, I mean, I wasn't in the stands, but I can just picture where, you know, it's the seventh inning and you're, you're talking with whoever you're with or just the people around you. You got your nachos and you're just like, yeah, uh, at least, at least we got here. I mean, it's been, it's been fun. Um, yeah. You're just, you're not really paying attention to the game, but you kind of are. And then you just hear it like, and then you oh. kind of look up and the next thing you know, everybody gets into it and then it just kind of snowballs. And then, and then you're like, I don't even know who I'm standing by anymore because and like, I can tell you, you couldn't hear anything. You couldn't hear anything for 15 minutes. That stadium was absolutely insane when when they started tagging him. And I mean, oh man, unbelievable! What probably the most uh, well, I, I have a couple, but definitely one of the most memorable in-person sporting events uh, I've watched in terms of just chaos in the stadium and and craziness. But uh, yeah, all right, well. Here's to hoping you you uh, you don't you don't go drink down you don't go man down and the wheels don't come off tonight. That's our that's our hope for you from D4 Sports. All right, time for the weekly roundup. In sports and uh, in D4 fashion, we're going to focus primarily on the NFL. Uh, Dustin, you got any other uh, any other sporting news outside of the NFL that you want to uh, mention before we dive in there? Yes, and I'm going to go to the NBA on two quick things. Okay, first, okay. Lakers in-season tournament champs. I know we've talked about the in-season tournament. It is finally over. The rich mm-hmm. get richer. Uh, LeBron doesn't <laughs> need that. But, you know, now he can say, I've got something that Jordan doesn't have. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but they, I mean, they won it all. So congratulations to them. Um, the other thing is, was mentioned, I believe it was last episode in regard to the Pistons and the Spurs and mm-hmm. their um, losing prowess, how good mm-hmm. they are at not winning games. Indeed. And now the Pistons are at 20 losses in a row. So they haven't won since last week. And the Spurs are at 17 in a row. So they're still on the heels. They just haven't <laughs> haven't gotten there yet. So uh, it is not not pretty for either team at this point. No, that's rough. That well, yeah. I mean, at this, I, I, you know, I wonder if they're talking. Hey, we got to make sure we're better than them. We got to make sure we set the bar higher than the other. I don't and know. the thing about the I, NBA I'm, is, it's not. Yeah. It, it's a lottery, right? So when it comes to yeah. the draft, you have the lottery, and even if you have the worst record in the league by twenty games. You, you still have a chance of getting like the sixth pick in the draft. It's not right. the worst yeah. team gets the first pick. So right. that's very odd. Yeah. Well, and, and they've done that to prevent the tank, right? So the teams don't be exactly. like, all right, well, we're done now. We're, it's, it's December and we're done. You know, and, and they, well, they even started making rules about like, they, you know, guys can only have so many days off if they're not injured and everything. And, you know, to make sure. And it's like you can that, only have one all-star on the team off of the court right. per game. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. weird. They got all these kind of chaotic rules to, to try to control that. But yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and like you said, I mean, and the, the other thing with the NBA is it's, it's not just, it's, it's not like any given Sunday. It's, it's, I mean, upsets happen, you know, 
the top teams will occasionally drop a game to a bad team, but it doesn't happen nearly as often as many sports. And I tell you, I've looked at that Pistons schedule. They got a shot. They got a shot. They're not playing cupcakes for the next seven, eight games. They, they're they're going to have to. They've got the Sixers to tomorrow night. And good game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the Sixers are pretty they're good. They're not winning that. They're not winning that game. So, of course, I'm going to eat my words. Look, hey, all I have to do is pick the Pistons or pick the team against the Pistons in some contest and the Pistons will win. That's that, that, that's all I have to do. But um, the Spurs play the Lakers. So maybe the Lakers coming off of an in-season tournament win may, may, you know, bring it down to a different level, but who knows? Yeah. You never know. You never know. So, all right. NFL, man, I, I, I don't think I remember a year with this much parody and where you don't have a team, I mean, I would still say the Niners are probably the best team at this point, probably the most complete team, um, but they've already shown that they're beatable, right? So, you know, uh, there's no real threat there. The Ravens are 10-3, and three, two games clear in the AFC. Who'd have thought that at 10-3 and three coming into the season? But I'll tell you what, boy, they, they are not the same team without Mark Andrews, and they – they got lucky no. to win that game against the Rams this weekend. I'll be. I'll well, say, they had to yeah. get that that touchdown to Zay Flowers on a fourth down. Yeah. And they get it to overtime, and then they have to return a punt for a touchdown to beat the Rams in overtime. Yeah. yeah. They are yeah. totally yeah. different without Mark yeah. Andrews. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Lamar is always going to be Lamar, and you know, he's always a weapon, but. Boy, you know, I mean, Odell Beckham is playing pretty well. Zay Flowers playing pretty well. Rashad Bateman's playing pretty well. But uh, that's not a scary team to me. I mean, their defense is good, but, I mean, the Rams put up 30 on them. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, and I, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Ravens. And then, I mean, the Chiefs, well. <laughs> there's a whole backstory to that one. <laughs> I mean, there's there's almost too much to say about the Chiefs this week, but Kadarius Tony, that man is snake bitten this year. I don't even know. What else Poor guy. Poor I mean, guy. I I have no reason to have a soft spot in my heart for Kadarius Tony, but it's getting there pretty quick because I mean he's gonna just put goat on the back of his jersey, you know, because um, that's just rough. I, the, the, the whole thing's right. Anyway, I, I don't know. And I, I love the meme, you know, that, you know, that there is out there now that after two losses, they're moving on from Taylor Swift, you know, and they're, I, I think, and they got Kelsey paired up. I don't remember who else they have paired up with, but um, there's, you know, I, I don't know. The Chiefs don't inspire confidence, but the Jaguars don't look good. Uh, the Lions. The Lions don't look good. I mean, they've, you know, only one, what one of their last three or four, two of the last four, and have struggled to do that. The Eagles, obviously, not playing good ball. The Cowboys might be right, um, but the Dolphins lay an egg. I, I, so I went up, I, I went and looked at at the Dolphins, and we talked last week. I asked the question, "Are the Cowboys for real?" And we're like, "Well, who have they beat?" Okay, well, they finally beat the Eagles. Fair enough. Miami has only beaten one team with a winning record. And that's Denver. And that was in week three when they hung 70 before Denver was had figured out how to play football this year. But the only teams they've played where they have, with winning records, were Buffalo, Philly, Kansas City. They lost all of those games. Buffalo and, and Philly, 
they lost badly. Kansas City, they lost by a touchdown. And then they lose to Tennessee, giving up two late touchdowns at home to that oh-so-potent Tennessee offense. I, who do you like at this point? Who do you trust in the NFL? Well, and, and, and here's the thing. And I know you can say uh, we get to see who they truly are, and that's hard to do, especially at the end of the season when you're trying to play for playoff contention or even to yeah. get a, a number one seed for a bye. Miami has the Jets, who we don't know who the Jets are. The Jets don't know who they are. <laughs> well, the um, Jets have a good defense, and they have Zach Wilson, who occasionally plays football. You know, so right. I don't and know. Maybe, and maybe Aaron yeah. Rodgers at the last two games. Who knows? Oh, man. Um, no. But here's don't even, the thing. Don't even do that to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they play the Jets, who is, is uh, you know, in their division. Like, that's, that's just a game due to the fact that it's a division rivalry. Um, but then you've got the Cowboys – the Ravens and the Bills, right? Yeah. So Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with the Bills, who yep. if they're on their game are going to be really hard to beat, especially since it's the last game of the season, who are yep. going to be trying to play for playoff contention. Yep. The Ravens, their defense is good. We just talked about them without Mark Andrews, um, but it's in Baltimore and then the Cowboys. So yep. the Cowboys, uh, we'll see. I mean, they could potentially go one and three in the next yep. four games. Now they could go four and up. Who knows? But yeah, it just, I, I don't know. The dolphins, they, they're fun to watch, man. They are, but when they yeah. can't put it together and last night, listening to the commentators, they were saying that Tua had said, we're just not the same team when we can't get out of the huddle quick enough. Cause we're trying to figure things out. And mm. last night they, they had to call timeouts in crucial moments cause they were in the huddle too long and they were just, yeah, they look confused, especially when Tyreek got hurt. Um, I mean, yep. he came back into the game, but he wasn't the same player with the yep. speed in his ankle. But they're not, yep. again, they're not the same team without Tyreek. Like Baltimore isn't without Mark Andrews. Yeah. Um, so, well, quick Tyreek update. You know, after only going what, five for 61, he has 1,540 yards, which puts him at 118.46 uh, per game, which means. If he stays on average, he's 2,013 yards. I mean, he's basically at the point where we could be down to one catch at the end of the season, uh, whether he gets to 2,000. So uh, can't afford any yeah. more, uh, any more well, uh, down performances. But yeah. He said he went back into the game last night because of a text he got from his wife. Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I read that yeah, article. Where and his he, wife was like, get yourself back on the field. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, this hurts. And she's like, I don't care. Get on the field. He's like, all right, yeah. I'll, get, I'll do it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But oh, I it's mean, part of my honey-do list. Get back on the field. We might be looking at the first year where nobody rests players in week 17. That would or, be great, actually. No kidding. But because I just checked the Ravens. The Ravens' last four games at the Jaguars, at the Niners – home against the Dolphins, and home against the Steelers. And, I mean, that's very easily two and two in that run, right? And that puts them at, what, that would put them at 12 and five? I, I, I mean, we could, I mean, with the NFC, I mean, nobody's better than 10 and three right now. And we might be facing the first time, and the AFC has, one, two, three, four, five, six teams at seven and six, which is just insane. Um, and, and yeah, somebody's going to win the NFC South, right? You got three teams at at uh, six and seven. Um, 
the Bucks, Falcons, and Saints. You got the Rams and Seahawks, also at six and seven. The Vikings are seven and six after a dominating victory over the Raiders. I got it. I got burner. some things to say about this game, but <laughs> I mean, okay, you got the win, three to nothing. I mean, I, I, I you know, well, okay, so. This Sunday had some really quirky stuff happen, right? So first off, the Jets and the Texans go to halftime, 0-0, right? In the the early window. First time that's happened in four years, that that's been 0-0 at halftime. And so then the Vikings and Raiders go halftime 0-0. First time since 1998 that two games in the same weekend have gone 0-0 at halftime. But the Vikings and Raiders, that game ends up 3 nothing. The last 3 nothing game, and I remember watching this game because it was like a Monday night game or a Thursday night game. It's the 2007 Steelers and the Dolphins, and it was just a torrential downpour in Pittsburgh. It was a mud bowl. It was sloppy. Nobody could do anything. The Steelers finally kicked a, a field goal with 17 seconds left to win 3 to nothing. But, I mean, the Dolphins were 0-11 going into that game, and the Steelers weren't a whole lot better. I mean, they were maybe seven and seven and four or something, but um, that's, the, but this game indoors, basically in a dome in Las Vegas, I, I, I don't know how anybody feels confident about the Vikings or the Raiders after that. I mean, and then the Packers lay an egg uh, and lose to Tommy DeVito, baby. Tommy DeVito, who has more Sopranos memes made about him in the last two weeks than anybody since the Sopranos. Um, right. I mean, I don't even know what to make of this season at this point. It's just it's chaos. Actually fun. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the, the AFC, right? There are six teams that are seven and six. Yeah. And then looking at the NFC, there are six teams that are six and seven. Yeah. But I, I mean, to be honest, the, this is weird for me to say because I'm not a huge like AFC guy, but yep. I'm gonna actually really enjoy seeing how the North Division ends up being. Oh I yeah, mean, it's it, it, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, you've got uh, Baltimore right at ten and three, yep. and then you've got your last place Bengals at seven and six. But the Bengals have, have- uh, the Vikings. At home, then they go to Pittsburgh, then they go to Arrowhead, which is the Chiefs, and then they play the Browns at home. So two of those are against division rivals. Yeah. And then you, if you can beat the Vikings at home, if you win two of those, the, the two divisional games and the Vikings, and you go three and one, that puts you at 10, ten and seven. seven yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, when they went to Browning, you're thinking, well, I mean, their season yeah. is over. And then the two game two two games he's played recently, he's he's done well. And so that one's going to be interesting to see because with the Browns having Joe Cool as their quarterback, right? Joe and, Elite, elite Joe and Flacco. Then, right. Who was sitting in his recliner two weeks ago with a bag of potato chips. <laughs> like, hey, he's won two games in a row, baby. That's he all has. Matters. And then. Oh, no, no, uh, that's not true. He's no, one and one, one, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, and then Sorry, Pittsburgh. Joe. Who's really Pittsburgh. smart guy. He's a pro. He's a pro. <laughs> He's a pro. Yeah. Well, and Pittsburgh with Mitch Trubisky, they need Kenny Pickett back to have any chance. And I can't believe I'd be saying that after the way Pickett's right. played. But 
begging for Kenny Pickett to come back is something else. Yeah, I no, but I mean that's that's a crazy division. The freaking Broncos at this point. Look, I I have no reason to not like the Broncos for any of my history whatsoever. But I'm just I don't even Sean Payton. I told, it's it. I'm I don't know. I don't like I don't like him anymore. I liked him with the Saints. I don't like him with the Broncos. I'm tired of that. I don't want to see that anymore. But the Chiefs not being able to run away with that division and is baffling. Well, and then the Jaguars lay an egg, right? And you're like, oh no. But then the Colts and the Texans both come out. And and now, frankly, for the Texans, they had basically no wide receivers or tight end in that game. So and then there's only Stroud so goes much out. No, I mean, Stroud the game was over. Yeah. But. yeah. So but uh but both the Colts and the Texans come out and lay an egg. I I, I mean yeah, this is just a wild season where oh. I I don't know who I'm backing at this point. I don't I don't So who I don't you got know. in the NFC South? Oh man, I don't even <laughs> I mean Here's this Tampa Bay, six I, and seven. Atlanta, had, yeah. six and seven. Yeah. New Orleans, six and seven. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and all those teams are you know, look, props to Baker for leading that game winning drive. Because frankly, Desmond Ritter led a heck of a drive on the on the the next to last drive of the game. Well, I mean, I guess you know the next to last important drive of the game to take the lead, and then Baker steps up and goes Baker from Oklahoma and leads a heck of a drive. And and, and frankly, both Tampa and Atlanta are pretty good teams, right? They're pretty solid. They just can't quite seem to get it all together. But they both have pretty tough defenses. They can both run the ball. They both have quarterbacks who sometimes they're pretty good. <laughs> and then other times they're Desmond Ritter and Baker Mayfield. And you're like, right. I don't know what to make of you. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't think, think the Saints... I would have ever thought I would say this, but I would like to see Baker come out on top this year. I kind of would just too. be just, and, and again, I know he came to tech for a year and then Mahomes beat him out. And then he got frustrated, yeah, yeah. went to OU, won the Heisman, whatever. Yeah. I've never been a Baker guy. Like I, I couldn't stand him in college and I didn't right. really like him when he got into the NFL. Yeah. But I don't know if it's I've grown or mm. if Baker's just become like a pro, right? Like yeah. Joe Flacco. Um, and a real pro. I just kind of, I just kind of want to see him like do it. Like I want to, yeah. I want him to play well. And, and like, I don't know. I know that's odd, but uh, I really kind of want no, him to kinda... out. One thing I don't like the saints and I'm, I'm, I mean, it's Falcons I, I, the just, I just have a hard time <clears throat> seeing the Saints uh, doing it. I, 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 I think in my mind, I think the Buccaneers are the best, have the best shot in the playoffs. I think of those three teams. I think, I just think Atlanta just is limited enough on offense that I just don't think that they're going to be able to put together a good showing. You, you never know, but I, I don't. And New Orleans, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I mean, look, anybody that goes through Cleveland, the factory of sadness, almost never, especially as quarterbacks, almost has never gotten a fair shake. And I, you know, I don't know. I'm not that sympathetic to Baker Mayfield because he had a shot in Carolina, but you also talk about another dis dysfunctional organization. So I don't know, but I, I'm with you on that one. I, I would like to see him. I would like to see him do it. But yeah, this is uh, OK. A couple other NFL notes. Big week for punters. 
I don't know if you saw this, but in the early game, J.K. Scott for the Chargers drills an 83-yard punt. I saw that. I was like, holy smokes. That was a punt. 83 yards, longest in the NFL in 10 years. And so what happens? A.J. Cole for the Raiders goes, oh, yeah? I'm going to go 83-2. And he also knocks an 83-yard punt. Did he really? I saw <laughs> he the did. first one. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so we had two punts um, for 83 yards, which makes them, which makes both of them tied for the longest punt by any active punter. And um, uh, and I can't remember the other guy I was looking at it today. Somebody last year drilled 183. 86 is the 10th longest of all time. So there's only been four punts in the league that have been over 90 yards. Um, so, I mean, 83. And that's 80, just like a 60-yard punt that just rolls, 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 and rolls sometimes. Well, that, you know, the longest is 98. <laughs> 98 yards uh, that he kicked it from the two to the one. Or the well, one that's the crazy yeah. because you have no room in the the back fit like no. when you're punting yeah. in from the end zone. Yeah, that's that's impressive. And that was a Jets punter back in like 1966 um, that that did that. And the other the the second longest or that well the, there's another one that's like 93. But then Randall Cunningham had the 92 yard punt uh, for the Eagles. Um, yeah, he actually was a punter in college. He punted like 115 punts in college. So he would, with some frequency, I think he had 30 or 40 punts in his NFL career. Um, okay. But his most famous one was in this one in, uh, it was fourth and long, and he was in his own end zone. They lined up like they were going to play it, and he just hauled off and punted it, <laughs> just 92 yards, just ridiculous. I mean, of course, that's a lot of that roll. You know, it's pretty hard to yeah. kick it more than about 60, 70 yards in the air. But, but yeah, so big week for punters um, uh, was 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 a good one. And uh <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the Clyde Edwards Hilaire wardrobe malfunction? <laughs> no, I, I have never one. seen. I've never seen this before. But uh, somebody must have gotten hold of his thigh pad because, <laughs> and they didn't show any replays, which is probably good for everybody involved. But uh, but it was Romo and Nance, and Romo had a little bit of fun with it um, as he was trotting to the sidelines because. The entire front of his pants, like one of his legs, was entirely ripped out. Somebody must have gotten a hold of his thigh pad and and ripped mm-hmm. open. I've never, I've never seen any. I mean, there's been a couple of moments where somebody gets a guy around the belt and you get a you get a full moon. You know, there's been a couple of full right. moons in the NFL over the years, and you know, plenty of torn jerseys, you know, shirts. But I don't think I've ever seen anybody's pants just full on ripped open. Uh, but Clyde, Clyde Edwards Hilaire had the uh, the wardrobe malfunction. And I'm going to go one back to a sp- kicker real fast. Oh. Real fast. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kicker for Dallas. Yeah. That kid is impressive. Rookie yes, year, um, soccer guy, right? But he kicked a 60-yarder against Philly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That probably – I mean, it looked like once it got through the uprights, it may have had another 8 to 10 yards yeah. on it. And it was like almost nothing for him. I mean, I know you have the routine and you try to make it look like, every, you know, the 30-yarder, like the 60-yarder, right? Yeah. That thing was beautiful. I mean, it didn't waver. It's, it, he still it was, hasn't missed yet, right? No. Yeah. He is – he's been phenomenal this year. And yeah. you, you brought up the kicker or the punters, and my first mm-hmm. thought went to the kicker for Dallas. And he yeah. – man, he is yeah. he's good. And, and a lot of times in the playoffs, 
you got to have that kicker that can really do it for yeah. you. And if he can, yeah. man, I mean, who knows? So sorry, well, I just had to bring that up because I was impressed with that. Yeah, no, well, and I was one of the great collapses I was going to go to was Gary Anderson. Uh, and this is the Vikings in 97, 96, 97. It was the year that the, that the Denver beat Atlanta in the Super Bowl. And Atlanta got to the Super Bowl because Gary Anderson missed his, the only kick of the season he missed was in the NFC Championship game to win the game. He missed a field goal that ended up sending the game to overtime and they ended up losing it overtime. Um, so let's hope that's not Aubrey's fate. But yeah, that kid, he has been something. Uh, I had one more stat. And I'll leave you with this. We mentioned Joe Flacco, elite, elite Joe Flacco. Uh, the Browns this season are, are have become only the eighth team in the history of the NFL to win with four different starting quarterbacks in the same season. I did hear that last night. Yes, that, that Watson, that's hard to do. P.J. Walker won a game. Uh, Thompson Robinson, right? The rookie won the game. And Flacco has won the game. So... And, and what's yeah. crazy is if you go to four quarterbacks, it's because you're not winning games. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in this case, they all get injured, right? But, you know, yeah. Right. But right. typically, you stick with you're what you winning. got, right? Yeah, no, If, if yeah. the first two guys get hurt, that third guy, like, okay, we're sticking with you. But for four guys to do it, you're typically, I mean, that that's impressive because you, you stick with one if you start winning with one. Or mediocre. Well, and But getting hurt it. does play a part. Somehow the Browns look like geniuses now for bringing in Joe Flacco. I had, this last week was the weekend of the backup quarterback, and you'd mentioned Tim Boyle last week. And then the day after our podcast we recorded last week, Tim Boyle gets cut, and who do they bring mm-hmm. in? Brett Rippon. <laughs> they brought in Brett Rippon. And I was like, at least the Browns brought in somebody who's like won a game, you know? But if, if you're like Tim Boyle or Brett Rippon, and you're like, eh, we need to dump Tim for Brett. And I mean, okay, technically he's two and two as a starter with four touchdowns and nine interceptions, but he beat the Jets in 2020 and he beat the Cardinals last year. That's Brett Rippon's career. No, no offense, Brett Rippon. I got no ill will toward you. I'm just saying you're probably not the answer for a franchise to walk in four games left in the season and learn an offense. So, right. and of course, they went with Zach Wilson anyway. So there you go. Well, and I did find it funny because we talked about the week of the the backups. And next thing you know, Trevor Lawrence is like, you know what? I think I'm good. I'm going to go out and play. And so C.J. Beathard doesn't doesn't play. Didn't get to play, yeah. But, uh, no, there was all sorts of crazy people coming in to play quarterback this week. I I started making a list of them, but I think I I misplaced my list. But, man, by by the end of it, sheesh, everybody was playing. Everybody was playing. So... All right, that's your NFL roundup for week 14. Season's drawn to a close. Uh, we'll, we'll take you all the way through it here on D4 Sports. All right, we're going to bring it home here for the, the D4. Uh, I don't know about you, Dustin, but I successfully finished my martini, so I did not go drink down. And I am not yet man down um, and certainly have no well, plans good. to do so. On we a still Tuesday have to night. finish this podcast. Well, there's that. That's that. And uh, but hey, I uh, wanted to lead off this closing segment with uh, D4 listeners. You can join us 
and show your knowledge about college football. Um, and we are on ESPN, Capital One Bowl Mania. Uh, we have our group, the D4 Bowl Bonanza. D4 Bowl Bonanza, you need to join. You need to do it this week because the bowls start this weekend. Get yourself Please in join. there. Get an entry in. Let's see who actually knows something about college football or who just plain gets lucky. So basically you're saying who is Karen and who is Nick um, ah. in regard to, you know, the pick em part of it. More or less. But I will say, more or less. please, please join because um, we'll be talking about it. We'll we'll yep. mention who's leading. We'll, we'll, you know, throw you out there, but also mention it to your friends. It, yep. Nick mentioned in the past, this is something like just do it. Just join in. Um, have you fun with it. You will not be sad. You will not be sad that you joined. No, because you're probably going to beat me. I mean, that's just all there is to it. So you can yeah, just no gloat question. about it and, and, and how that looks for you. Um, and we may end up having, you know, the winner come onto the show and, and talk about, Ooh. you know, how they made their picks, how everything went, or if they just were in the bathroom and just boom, 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 and ended up beating <laughs> everybody. Who knows? There you go. So, yeah, D4, D4 Bull Bonanza on ESPN Fantasy Sports. Capital One Bowl Mania. Uh, you can find it out there. Join us. Come play with us. Uh, friends of D4, join the game. We'd love to uh, We'd love to play against you. Speaking of friends of D4, uh, my coworker, Ade, have to give him a shout out. Third in the world, ladies and gentlemen, in jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, for the blue belt, super heavy, uh, super men's heavyweight, Ade Odusanya. Took third place. You can follow him on Instagram at Ade Fights. Um, he's got some great videos of him just pulverizing people. <laughs> and, and congratulations uh, for sure. Yeah, congratulations, um, Ade. I, great I am on your good side just because I know your coworker. So That's just right. know that. That's right. Dustin's a good guy. Dustin's a good guy, Ade. You don't have to go after him. But, Appreciate uh, that. Anyway, big time congratulations to Ade. Um, we're looking forward to following you some more. And uh, again, all you D4 listeners, uh, Instagram, at Ade Fights, uh, follow him. You'll get to see him. He's a great guy, as well as a tremendous, tremendous uh, jujitsu, I guess, fighter is the right word, right? I mean, I know everybody is kung so. fu fighting. Is everybody jujitsu fighting? I don't, I think it's fighting. It's, uh, yeah, grappling, maybe? It's, uh, yeah. It's not wrestling. I would say fighter, yeah. Yeah, we'll go with fighter. We'll go with fighter. So, uh, all right, uh, closing shots because you know when the, <laughs> what leads to more drinks down than shots? I would argue nothing. So, Dustin, you give me a give me a I shot. I think we've we've covered that for sure. Shots definitely drink down, mm -hmm. man down. However you want to look at that. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing I have today is I want to recommend out there um, everyone that loves sports. On Amazon Prime, there's a documentary called Bye Bye Barry, um, and I highly recommend it. Um, I, I knew what Barry Sanders could do. Um, I watched very little um, back in the day, but I saw a lot of highlights of, of how good he was and how, how quick he was. This documentary has a lot of footage mm -hmm. of him in the NFL. And it is a lot. He's a lot better than I thought he was. In regard oh, to the yeah. fact, I always thought he was good, right? Yeah. And arguably the greatest running back of all time. But watching some of this film, you're going, how? 
how in the world was this guy able to do what he did? And he was just a talent that that was unreal. And then obviously he retired at the maybe peak. Uh, he was what, 31, um, yeah. maybe on the trajectory downwards, but he was on course for just setting record upon record upon record in regard oh, to, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, rushing yards and, and everything as a running back. And then he retired. And so it was always, why did he retire? Why so early? What was it that um, made him who Barry was? And in this story and in this documentary, and I'm not going to give anything away, but his personality is not one you see in sports at all. And especially nowadays, um, he, he just seemed like a, a genuine guy that just mm -hmm. wanted to go play football. Yeah. So I, I highly, highly recommend you go watch that. Um, it just, it, it's all about sports and you know, Detroit who has been the butt of, uh, a lot of sports jokes over mm -hmm. the past several decades. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's my final shot is a great documentary. Yeah, no, and you mentioned it to me, and I, I have not seen it. Um, I am fortunate enough to be old enough to have watched Barry Sanders, and he was one of those guys that I would flip the game on. If I could get a Lions game, I would watch a Lions game to watch him touch the ball because, yeah, I mean, truly fun. The only running back in my mind that comes close to Barry Sanders since he left the game was Adrian Peterson. Um, and I can agree I, with that. In, in terms of this guy could literally on any play go the distance and you just want to watch him play as a running back. I mean, there's been other great running backs. Derrick Henry's great. Uh, Chris know, Johnson Chris was John really good Chris when he Johnson went over 2000. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you had, um, you, there's been tremendous players, but when you really get in and you see what Barry Sanders did, I mean, it's, he was incredible. He was truly incredible. And actually do yourself a favor and go onto YouTube and watch his Oklahoma State highlights. Holy smokes. They have those too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, college football is a different animal, but I mean, he was extraordinary. Just extraordinary. And and if you ever get a chance, you go and read about how he even got to Oklahoma State in the first place and how he <laughs> didn't get how he didn't end up in Texas or Oklahoma. It's a pretty wild story. But uh, how he didn't end up at OU is part yeah. of Oh, yeah, yeah. Watch a, the documentary. It's part of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I know enough about Barry's career and life to to know that without having had the, the pleasure of seeing that yet. But uh, uh, all right, I got a couple of closing shots. So mine aren't nearly as you know serious. But Dustin, have you ever seen anybody block a shot with a shoe? With no. a shoe. I have. I've seen a guy try to catch a fly ball by throwing his mitt up. Yeah, we well, <laughs> can't never throw the seen... mitt. <laughs> no, okay. I know you can't, but yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it happened this week. Uh, Rashid Bello from Purdue University of Fort Wayne uh, playing in a game, and his shoe comes off uh, like as he's coming down on defense, and he stops and he picks up his shoe, but he stays in the game. A guy goes up to take a shot, and he jumps up with the shoe hand, and blocks the shot. And apparently that's legal because he never threw the shoe. He never let go of the shoe. So Rashid Bello is the first player in anybody's, and anybody's not even the refs were like, I'd never seen it, but they were like, they had to pull the out rules. a rule book on that one. Yeah. You'd think so. 
But apparently it's not against the rules, and Rashid Bello gets credit for a block shot with his shoe. Congratulations? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you got yeah, you got to say congratulations because, you know, I mean, that was he did great. something that nobody's ever done. He did something that and got awarded ever done. for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's there. You go. That's pure D four. Um, I, I'll give you one more, and this is a little less D four, and this is just one I think that's just going to make people angry. But you know, that's the a good PGA, way to end the show. Yeah. Yeah, the PGA is, I don't know if you've seen this, but um, the, the USGA and the PGA, they're getting together and they're going to they're gonna roll back the golf ball. They're going to shorten the golf ball uh, and the distance that the golf ball will travel. At least this is the proposal on the table, and I think it's being pretty seriously considered that they're talking about shortening the golf ball basically so that you know they don't have to make golf courses 8,000 yards long to keep the pros on. But I can just say, as a guy who likes to play golf recreationally, that's the worst thing I can imagine <laughs> is anything that's going to make me hit the ball less far. <laughs> anything that's going to make me hit it shorter is a bad idea for 98% of all the golfers around the world. And the other 2%, man, I don't know. You do you, do you. but shortening the golf. Yeah. Game, I, 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 I don't know about that. I, I, know. I did see that. Um, that'll be interesting. Yeah. No. That's not good. That's a bad idea. That's that's drinks down. You know how many guys, you know how many drinks are going to go down in the clubhouse after after the round because they're shorting the ball? Too many. After the round, during the round. I mean, maybe well, not on the yeah, tour, you know. but I mean, just in yeah, general. No, well, yeah. <laughs> Is John Daly playing? Because you never know. It could happen. Never know. But uh, all right. That's what we got for you this week. Uh, join join the Capital One Bowl Mania. Uh, D4 please, Bowl Bonanza. Please join. join. Let's do it. Give us a share. Give us a like. Give us a rating on social media. Thank you to all of our D4 listeners. And uh, we will talk to you next time uh, on D4 Sports. Dustin, you got any final words? I do not. I just appreciate you guys continuing to listen. Like I've said in the past, we just enjoy doing this. We talk about sports no matter what. So you chiming in and listening every once in a while, uh, we, we do appreciate it. But the last thing I'm going to say is just how fun it could be to get a whole bunch of people to join this bowl bonanza and uh, see where it goes. So please, please, please tell all your friends about it, even if they don't listen, just to see how it goes. Let's do it. Thanks very much, everybody. Until next time. D4 Sports is brought to you by Don and Dustin and by our sponsors, Sports and Day Drinking. Special thanks go to Trey Klein for providing the music behind D4 and all our friends and family for supporting us throughout this episode.